I'm in a series and just going to complete it right here. And it's really in a point of completion because you never can stop this kind of subject. But I've been talking about intentional living and most people accept their lives. But my heart is for people to, to lead their lives. And I think that in these challenging times, I don't know about you, it's vital for spiritual growth. You can get really negative by what, I mean, you can be influenced negatively by what we see on the television, what we hear on the radio and all kinds of things, especially with social media. But I want you to know your intentional focus on your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the whole reason why we founded Metroplex Family Church. It's everything that I'm about. It's who I am. It drives me. I want a healthy church because I want healthy people, not because I want a big church and I'm here to promote my name. It's important to me to have these spiritual values that I'm going to share with you. And they're just four of them. They're real simple. But this is vital. This is who we are over the 18-year history of this church. And it doesn't change, really, because this is something that's so concrete inside of me. And the first one simply, as far as a value, is that we value here at Metroplex Family Church, and I thank the Lord, of course, this is his value, not just mine, please, is we value a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've said it before, I'll say it again as we look at Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified Bible Classic Edition. I want you to have a knowing, growing relationship with the Lord. I don't want you to know about him. I want you to know him. And that is a point of intimacy. That's a point of knowing. Sheila and I have been together almost 30 years. And of course, I know her, but I know more about her than I did 30 years ago. And it's not just in a physical way. It's in a, a relational way. And I want that with your relationship with the Lord because Jesus is not just is, is not just Savior. He's Lord. And I think that's so important for us to understand. Most people treat their relationship with the Lord is a 911 situation, but my heart is for you to practice the presence of the Lord, to know that. And when you're going through a hard situation, when you're going through a challenging situation, you're not just dependent on, you know, your own reasoning and your own understanding. You're dependent on the Lord. A strong believer can overcome situations. A weak believer will be overcome by the situations. Philippians chapter 3, verses 9. Uh, Philippians 3, notice what it says here in verse number 10. Philippians 3, 10. Watch this. I love this version, the Amplified Bible. It says, for my determined purpose. Everybody say determined purpose. Come on, one more time. There you go. My determined purpose is that I what? May know him, not know about him, okay? And that's, that's a challenge right now in a lot of churches. People come to church because of social activities and networking and, 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 and groups. And good, fellowship is important, okay? Please, we want that. We need one another. However, your determined purpose is to know him, not know about him. They, they depend on a pastor to have a growing relationship with the Lord. Someone told me the other day, they said, well, I'm not growing in the Lord inferring that that was my responsibility. That's not really my responsibility on a daily basis. I'm here to empower you and equip you, encourage you, of course, and I'll provide the tools, but I can't do the relationship with the Lord for you. That's something that you have to do. And you have to adopt this attitude that your determined purpose in despite of all the distractions of life is to what? To know him, not to know about him. Would Jesus do the things that we, you know, do in our lives, would he really approve that if we had a greater relationship with him? That's the questions you have to ask continually. That's the way I self-examine my life because it says right here in the Apostle Paul's beautiful language, in the Amplified, of course, it says that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving, recognizing, understanding, watch this, the wonder of his, wonders of his person. Everybody say person. Jesus is a person. Yes, he's Lord. Yes, he's Savior, but he's a person and making that 
more strongly and clearly in your life. And, and that's my goal. That's my desire for you in the midst of adversity, in the midst of all the things that you face and deal with, for you to have this growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's a daily thing. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But again, hear my heart, hear my desire, hear my passion is for this is the most important thing we do as a church. This is the most important thing I think that any church should do. Not ministers ministering the word or teaching the Bible necessarily just to teach it, but to have everything capitalized on one foundation. That is for you to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what brought me into the kingdom of God in October 16, 1983. It was a desire to know the Lord. And I think that, again, has never gone away from me. As a matter of fact, it gets stronger all the time because today I am one day, one day closer to meeting him. Even if Jesus tarries and we live to 100 plus, I'm still moving in the direction of meeting him. And I don't want to be introduced to the Lord when I get to heaven. I want to what? Say, hey, it's good to see you. I was just talking to you. <laughs> or, you know, again, you understand where I'm coming from? And I want that for you. Hear my heart. I don't want you just going through life. I don't want life leading you. I want you leading life through the will of God and knowing his purpose, his plans for your life and hearing what you're, you have in your heart. And when you go through things, we stand with you. And even though there's not good times, we believe there'll be better times. Just like with Dave and Shelby's situation with their children. Uh, listen, they're a precious couple. I struggled with that. I, they were young. They're still young in my opinion, but they were young then. They were younger. And uh, let me rephrase that. Okay. But they, they were going through a hard time. I, I wanted her pregnant. I know Dave did. I mean, that was our desire. And, uh, you know, we, we knew about those doctor visits. We knew about what they were going through. But I was continuing to promote that relationship with the Lord, to believe God that this, this situation would turn around for the glory of God. And it did. And it is today. And, you know, every time I see them come through the doors, yes, I like to see them. But seeing their children is a testimony to a knowing, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you something. The hardest thing a couple can go through probably, other than maybe, you know, infidelity, is what they went through. Because when you, you, when you have the desire to have children, you're fighting the good fight of faith. And other couples can know that same battle in this auditorium. You're fighting for that. You're believing for that. And I'm telling you what, you need people to stand with you. But more important than standing with you, you need the greatness of your Father God because he can bring you through. I'm doing some pretty good preaching this morning. <laughs> anyway, number two, value the word of God as covenant now. This is the second thing. That relationship with the Lord is important to me, but the word of God is not just the Bible to me. It's a covenant. Now, I know we don't talk a lot about covenant, and covenant is not really something we understand. And by the way, in our society now, when it comes to covenant marriage, that's been sort of diminished. But covenant is very important. God made a covenant with Abraham, and we have a covenant with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And again, that's not here as far as a part of my message, but I want to show you some things real quick. Look what it says here in Psalms 19.7. Not Psalms 19.7. Just look at this or watch this. Um, we sort of go over this and uh, lose the meaning of this, but let me show it to you for just a moment here, and I think it'll help you. Psalms 9, notice what it's Psalms 19.7. Check this out. Listen to this. 
This is good. This whole psalm is awesome. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are, are pure, enlightening the eyes. And the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Notice what it says here in verse 7 again. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And so let me just translate that word where it says converts the soul. What does it mean? It's just three words. It means this reviving, it's renewing, and transforming. That's the power of this book. The promises of this book are amazing. And when you look at the Bible, not as a historical book or an eschological book or a theological book, when you look at it in the light of the promises of the covenant that God has made with you and I, it is a powerful thing. And I want you to know when God speaks something, it's not just something he did thousands of years ago related on to that time. It's alive for today. That's what changed my life in October of 1983. When I saw Romans 10, 9 and 10, and I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, in that moment, I was transformed. And the people that I went to school with, as I had my high school reunion this Saturday, there in Talladega, Alabama, a majority of them know that. Someone sent me another note this week about that saying, you know, they can see the transformation in my life. They knew how committed I was to the things that I wanted to do at that time in my life, which was music. But now they see the transformation in my life. And, and why is that? Because that's what the power of this book does by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at Numbers. That's way over back in the, New Te I mean, the Old Testament, the book of Numbers. And uh, this is what it says here. And li just listen to this in, in Numbers chapter 23, verse number 19. Check this out. This, this, is, this is awesome about our Father God and uh, who he is in our life, especially this covenant word we have. Notice what it says in uh, Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Watch this. Listen to this. As he has said, he will, will he not do? As he's spoken, will he not make it good? Isn't that awesome? That's the describing the covenant word that we have with God. I love that. If he's not spoken, will he not make it good? I'm telling you what, when my dad, Harold Jacobs, would tell me something, man, you could lock in on the fact that it'd be done as far as my dad would say something. And when you meet men like Harold Nichols that helped me found this church and other men like that, uh, that I'm around, especially my mentors today and the coaches and pastors that are around me that are good father figures, when they tell me they're going to do something, they, I can depend on them to do it exactly the way they said they were going to do it. But listen, when you say in the, when the Lord says that he's going to make things good and right, it's just a matter of time. Just like with Dave and Shelby and others that have stood on things that seemed impossible and God turned it around. God used events and things to happen to bring it to pass as we fought the good fight of faith. That's the beauty of this covenant book. Is it hard going through something? Yes, it is. Is it fun? No, it's not. Is it worthy, though, of the stand of faith? Yes, it is. Fighting the good fight of faith. I keep telling this couple, as a matter of fact, I see Jim and Kayla far beyond two individuals. I see them as three. I'm not just seeing a baby that's not at their house yet. I see a child in this house, and I see the day I'm dedicating this, that baby on this platform and watching that young man grow to be everything God's called him to be. That's what I see. And I see that based on this, not upon me, not upon your strength, even though we have strength together. And thank God for all of you. I've watched it on Facebook. And this is sometimes Facebook to me is weird because people are posting everything about, I don't need all your business. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, I, I appreciate some aspects of it, but like, wow, I'm glad that you went to this restaurant and ate today. Okay. 
<laughs> but anyway, whatever you want to post, that's fine with me. My point is, I love the beauty, going back to their situation, of how people have used scriptures, encouragement, and the stand of faith to believe for this child. And that child will one day, very, very, very soon, be right here where I'm standing, dedicated to the glory of God, even though he's already dedicated, but you know what I mean in that, in that aspect. Why? Because God is faithful. We can trust him. Yes, there's an enemy. Yes, there's a fight of faith. But I'm telling you what, I'm going to trust the Lord, and I know that he is good. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 4, this is Father Abraham, as they call him. And I love this phrase talking about our covenant with God and using the word of God, or, or excuse me, receiving the God as the, the word of God as, uh, as covenant. Notice what it says in Romans 4. He was in an impossible situation. And notice what it says beginning in verse 19 about him. Listen to this. If you think your situation was bad, what about his? He was trying to have children at a, at a senior adult age. Watch this. And it was literally impossible then. And it says in verse 19, And not being weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body, even though he was already about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Watch this in verse 20 now. Let this, let this encourage you. It says, He did not waver. Everybody say, He did not waver. He did not waver at the promise of God. Notice that phrase, the promise of God through unbelief. But he was what? Strong in faith. He was strengthened in his faith. Why, why was he strengthened in his faith? Because he was believing that God promised it. If God promised it, then he was going to believe for it. That's my job is to cheerlead you on, to believe God, to go beyond your feelings, to go beyond what you see and trust God to turn it around. I mean, again, this church was built off that, in my opinion. The land that we have here, the things that were done, the remodel. Oh, my goodness, how many pastors I talked to, they're still paying notes year after year after year after year after year. Every Sunday, they have to get up and, and you know, well, how do you say it? Ask for money or make sure people are tithing so that they could just meet the obligation of a mortgage payment. Thank God in heaven we don't have a mortgage payment. I'm telling you what, I thank God for that. I, I don't know about you. To God be the glory. I mean, really, seriously. And to the, have a beautiful parking lot out there, it's paid for. Somebody asked me the other day, they saw me, and they, you know, they knew about the church, and they'd come and visit, and they said, hey, I heard you got a new parking lot. Uh, what's the monthly payment on that? I said, we don't have one. They said, really? For that much concrete? You don't have a monthly payment? Well, who'd you get the money from? Did you borrow it? Or did y'all pay it off? I said, no, we just, the, the money came in, and... Everybody did their part. And so I said, it's paid for. He said, well, that's awesome. I'm going to this church over here and they're raising, they got several million dollars on their building left. I said, mercy. <laughs> so that's all I said about that. Anyway, I said, will you be faithful over there and help them to get to the place where we are? And they're twice as big as, I mean, they're, they're a huge church and they got this huge in, you know, mortgage thing or whatever to pay for this building. My point with all that is when you trust God and believe God, it was one summer ago that I walked that ground out there and talked to it and I said, I will not borrow, I will not beg, and I will not look at this ground anymore. I will be a good steward over it. We will cut it. We will have the gravel out there, but I want white concrete. And here was my exact words. If Walmart can have white concrete, I can have white concrete. <laughs> okay. 
And I went around to other stores, you know, looking at their concrete and admiring it. And, you know, I thought, I'm glad no one saw me in the days past going around putting my hands out. You probably were embarrassed. There's Pastor Brian again. He's at that concrete, that parking lot, at that store over there, putting my hands on it and knowing how beautiful it was. And now look at it. I sometimes park out there and stare at the concrete Don't I do the building, okay? Because you know what? It's the faithfulness of God. His faithfulness is absolutely worthy of our praise and trusting him. And whatever you need today, he's faithful to do just that. The third thing is value a consistent prayer life with God. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verse number eight, uh, verses 6 and 8 through the Passion Translation. This is so important to me. Watch this. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. This is what the Apostle Paul said. But he said, be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. This is so important in, in our, our relationship with the Lord. Notice what he says. Don't be pulled in different directions. Don't be in a place of worry and fear and anxiety. Be saturated with prayer. Be conscious of the Lord. Offering faith-filled Request. What does that mean, Pastor Brian? That means simply just saying, Lord, I praise you that you're faithful to your promises. I praise you that I can trust you in this situation and know that there is a day of victory. When I wrote that book, Winning Adversity, I really didn't write it for anybody else other than me, even though we're getting to a point now we're getting ready to really publish it. And people have read it in this church and others, and we're finishing the, actually finishing the book right now to a place where I really want to promote it. Right now, we're just putting it into the Texas Department of Corrections, and the testimonies I'm getting back are amazing. I'm, hum I'm humbled by that. And a lot of people in the community, I've just given the book away, of, and a lady just this week sent me a testimony about it. My point is, going through all that, I kept doing this. I kept giving faith-filled requests to God in the point where, Lord, I just praise you that you're faithful. I praise you that you're going to help me through this situation, that I can trust you and not myself, that I don't know how this is going to turn around, but I'm going to have overflowing gratitude, and I'm going to give you every detail of my life. And you say, well, Pastor Brian, he already knows everything, doesn't he? Doesn't the Bible say that in Matthew 6? He knows all that. Yes, he does, but I just like to remind him. Lord, this is my situation. This is where I am. And I do this every single day. I practice his presence. Notice what the verse number seven says here. I like this in verse seven and eight. It says, then God's wonderful peace will transcend your human understanding as you're doing these things. He will make, answer, he will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Oh, that's so beautiful. I, I'm, I'm looking for answers. Notice what it says in verse 8. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real and honorable and admirable and beautiful and respectful, pure and holy and merciful and kind. Fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Yes, there's a lot to, to deal with as far as our economy and all the things that are happening in our world, but these are encouraging words of how we should look at these things, in my opinion. History has a way sometimes of repeating itself when it comes to politics, when it comes to government, when it comes to all these things. You know what? They are locked in time, but these things are timeless. And as I focus on this and as I make time every day for the Lord, I'm telling you what, listen, prayer is, listen to this, prayer is not informing God. Prayer is inviting God into your situation. 
him. You're not informing him of what's happening. He knows that, but you're inviting him. But if you don't invite him, he's not welcomed. So true, right? I mean, the Lord is not going to push his presence on you. He wants you to welcome him. He wants to partner with you. He wants to give you these covenant promises. And notice this, when you make your quiet place or your time alone priority with the Lord every single day, there's power in that. Ladies and gentlemen, there's power in that. And it's not just, again, a relationship of routine or religion. It's a real relationship. And again, in that relationship helps me to look at others differently, look at others with purity, not to complain and not to gripe and not to criticize. There's plenty to complain. There's plenty to criticize, especially with what's going on in some things of our life, whether it's government, the body of Christ or whatever. You can complain, you can gripe, and you, and you can attack. But what's the good of that? When you can say, Lord, I give these things to you. I want the best. I want your divine purpose and plan for your life. Your kingdom come, your perfect will be done. And that's the way I'm looking at it. Instead of locking myself in the thing, Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, every day is going to have trouble. Did he not? Every time, every this segment we go through, there's always trouble. But he said, don't focus on that. Don't worry about that. Don't make that your priority in life. Focus on the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he is going to win. And if, uh, even if it may be five, ten minutes a day, maybe it's not a quality time of a long period of time. But every day, everybody say every day. Every day, invite God into your situations. Make that quiet place a priority. Even though you may be like Dave and Shelby and others in this room. Jacob, I mean, you guys, I mean, you got the busyness of children. You got all these things. You're working. You're going here. Some of you are working 12 hours a day, not a regular day. I mean, you're, I mean, by the time you go to work and drive from work, it is a long day, is it not? I mean, it's a full, full day. And all this coming at you, I'm saying, please, in the name of Jesus and for the sake of your own well-being, set aside this time. Go to each other and say, listen, that's one thing Sheila and I, we, we pray together, but we spend more time praying apart because I know when she needs her place and I know I have my place and I use these particular facilities that I go to daily and it's over there at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. No, I'm not Baptist, but at the same time, thank God for the Southern Baptist Convention. Let me use all these buildings. <laughs> and so I pray for them too, but at the same time, that's my place. I go over there and walk and I just, every day I'm committed to getting over there early and separating myself and, 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 and seeking the Lord and, and praying for you. Because if I come up here and pray, people will see me and sometimes people come in and out of the building, that's okay. But at the same time, I like a place where I'm completely by myself so that I can have what I call my hour of power early, early in the morning. I'm a morning person. Uh, I don't like getting up in the morning, but at the same time, I like being up in the morning, okay? And I, that's when I do my prayer time. And I just like being away. And I, I think that's the foundation to make a better day. In my opinion, that's the way I do it as far as practicing the presence of God. And I invite God in these situations. And when you tell me something, I take my phone out and I don't tell you that I'm just going to write it down. I'm telling you that I'm going to, if you told me to specifically pray for something, I'm going to specifically pray for it. And I'm going to write it down. I don't have, you know, again, I have a really good mind and good memory, but Hey, that's the beauty of this technology. What? Just jot it down. 
And so I do that in the quiet place. And in the quiet place, there's peace. And the quiet place is the presence of God. And when I quote his word back to him, I get his peace back in my life. And when I do that, I'm able to stand and give the victory to the Lord throughout the day and trying to deal with every situation I face because I have him in the midst of it all. Hey, number four, quickly. And this is, uh, all, all of these are beautiful points in my opinion. And the number four is being the family of God, value being the family of God. What does that mean, Pastor Brian? Over in the book of Ephesians, check this out. Ephesians chapter one, there's a phrase here that I absolutely love, and it, and it talks about all the family of God. Watch this in Ephesians chapter one. Notice what it says here. Uh, this, this just captures it all to me. Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter uh, 3, not chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Notice what it says here. For this reason I bow my knees unto our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 15. From whom the whole, everybody say whole. The whole family of heaven and earth. This is Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verses 14 and 15. Notice what it says here. It says that the whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. What does that mean? That means that we are the complete family of God. Whether we're here or there, we are the family of God. And notice it doesn't say, uh, watch this, from whom the whole family at such and such church is named, or this denomination, or that denomination, or that group. It says the whole family of God. Everybody say the whole family of God again. The whole family of God. And notice what he said here, in heaven and in earth. I was at the cemetery uh, two days ago and uh, just visiting. You say visiting, but well, I was just seeing Pastor Nichols and all these others. Grace, I was just thinking about them, Miss Sue Sanders. I could go down the list and uh, of people that is particular cemetery, cemetery I was at. And I was thinking about, again, when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ will rise first. John, I was thinking about, man, these graves will open up and their bodies will be supernaturally restored. Won't that be a sight? Wouldn't you like to have a little camera right there? if you're in another place to see all that. Wouldn't that be amazing? You think Star Wars is awesome and Star Trek is awesome. You ain't seen nothing yet when God raises people out of those graves. That's going to happen one day in our lives or the next one. It's going to happen and that's going to be awesome. And so um, I was over there and I was just thinking about they're in heaven now and we're here, but we're still the family of God and there's no divisions there. And even though, you know, for us who value praying in the Holy Spirit, for those who, who value the gifts of the Spirit, it seems like over the last couple of years, those have been really diminished and those things have been taken out of the body of Christ. But that doesn't change the fact that we're still the family of God. There are people that don't believe what I believe. You know, I was with the president of the Southern Baptist Convention this week. He was, I, you know, hello, Dr. Greenway. And I didn't run over there and criticize him, say, man, y'all are in a big mess, aren't you? Which they are. <laughs> so my point was, I just, after, you know, seeing him, I just took the time to pray for him. He's, uh, he's a really nice man. He loves the Lord. Now, he doesn't believe some of the things I believe, but we can, we can in Ronald Reagan's words, we can still be friends. <laughs> so we can still be nice to one another. And so my point with that is we're still the family of God. God. And by the way, he's, he's not the type to compete. And, 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 and again, I mean, he's Baptist all the way as far as, you know, what he believes. And he's president of the Southern Baptist, I mean, he's president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My point with all that is he really loves the Lord. And I know that he does. And we can come together in agreement. One of the beautiful things that Billy Graham, being around him, and in his ministry, he taught me one valuable thing that's forever impacted my life. He said, we're the body of Christ. And we are not in competition, but we're in completion. We're not here to compete. We're here to complete. 
And, you know, I just love the way they did that. They, to this day, they still do that in their organization. And I love the way they do that. And, and again, I, I think that's, that's, that's why I'm such a body of Christ person. I mean, I can go to, di- I mean, it was the other day I was with the Southern Baptists, then I was with the Assemblies of God, and then I was with the Charismatics all in one day. That's a big, diverse group of people. And mix it up with a little bit of Church of Christ on the side there. How about that? Four groups in one day. And uh, different ministers. Oh, and the Church of God in Christ, the black churches in their network. I was with them also. And d- different beliefs, different versions, different things, the way they see things, different mannerisms, but we're still the family of God. And notice what it says here, and I wrote in my notes, I said, building a healthy family, not a healthy church necessarily, even though churches are the assembly of people, but building healthy families is the kingdom of God's number one priority. Jeremy, healthy families. And that's what we're endeavoring to do here. And that's what we want in your life. God designed you and I to help one another. And we're designed to be a part of helping one another. When I was in Africa in 1988, it was a real revelation to me on a safari I went to. I didn't really want to go on safari, even though I like to see big animals up close at that time. And we saw elephants and we saw giraffes and, and all that. And we were just getting ready to leave. And we were in this, you know, the, you've seen them where it has the open top and all that. Anyway, we saw this uh, pack of... Uh, is it Walter Beast or whatever, that type of animal? Anyway, and it was about, I don't know, 50 to 75 of them over here at this little, little pond area. And I thought, oh, they are cute and beautiful. They look like little deer, you know? And they were awesome. And uh, gazelles or whatever. I forgot the name. But anyway, they were, they were white and had a little horn on them. Anyway, and they were real pretty. Then all of a sudden, a little, an infant, a, a young person, if you'll allow me to say that, not an infant, but a young person drifted off and kept drifting away. And I'm thinking, man, that, 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 that animal needs to get back to the herd. Then all of a sudden, guess what I saw? Two jaguars. And they came around the corner of the other side of that pond area, and they spotted that little one by itself. And they, the one of the jaguars spooked the rest of them, ice, and then it caused them to run off, and it, di- and it distanced himself further from the little one, and, or the young one. And guess what happened? The two of them right there in front of us, pounded on that animal, and uh, we, I didn't look at the rest. I was like, I didn't watch that going to happen, even though the, everybody else was getting excited about it. I was like, I wasn't getting excited because I hate to say, I, I can't even stand a little squirrel to die, okay? Even though squirrels are a mess at my house, okay? Little demons from hell. Anyway, always messing with our bird feeder and all that kind of stuff out there. Anyway, and digging up the yard. I have something planted just right, and all of a sudden, Mr. Squirrel goes out there and goes, and runs off with his little fluffy tail. I'm like, you better come back here in the name of Jesus. I don't know why I'm talking about that squirrel anyway. My point with it is that, 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 that animal isolated itself. And that, that is a forever picture to me that when we isolate ourselves from the family of God, when we isolate ourselves from the, God's family, then that will happen to us. And that, that's forever painted on my heart as an illustration. Again, these are just four things that are important to me. I didn't have these listed. So anyway, just listen to this. A family supports each other. A family is faithful to each other. A family enjoys each other. And a family grows together. I know in my own family with, with Sheila's family, not necessarily my family. My family's real small in Alabama, even though I, I love them and I'll be with them this week and I cherish the time with them. But the family here in Fort Worth is bigger. That, that's one of the things that's a beautiful part of our family, that we support each other. We're faithful to each other. We enjoy being together. 
we really do enjoy being together, and I enjoy being together, and I love enjoying watching these nieces and nephews grow and all the things happen in their life, and I love doing life together. I love growing together. We're intentional about it. And intentionality to me in honoring the Lord has benefits to it. But if you're, not, if you're just passive and, and not aggressive about it, you won't enjoy the things that God has provided for you and I. So I just want to pray with you right now as we close this service to do just that, that you'll be intentional about these four areas and purpose to do these things in a stronger way. First of all, to put a complete value on your relationship with the Lord, a complete total value that God's word is covenant to you, not just a book of, of rules and regulations. Number three, that you will consistently seek this time alone with the Lord. Please value that. Make that a priority. And if you need tools of that, we have that at Metroplex Family Church. I have tools available. I'll be glad to empower you in any way to do that as far as a personal relationship with the Lord. As a matter of fact, as we go through the summer here at the time of this recording, don't make it a summer slump. Make it a summer surge in your relationship with God. Yes, you need to enjoy summer. Yes, we need to get ready for football. Yes, you need to pray for the Dallas Cowboys to have good training camps and get those things in order so that we can win a championship because it's been forever and a day since we won a championship. <laughs> Seriously. But you have got to make this summer count. Don't just, just put off the things you say, well, it's just that time of year. Listen, don't be apathetic. Be energetic about it. Make this the greatest summer you've had because I promise you, regardless of Dallas Cows, Cowboys football, if you make this summer the greatest summer you've had yet and enjoying your life but pressing into the things of God, you'll have the greatest fall you've had yet, regardless of what happens in football or any other sport. How about that? That's, that's what where I am because fall is a beautiful time of year, is it not? I mean, we really love fall around here. I, I most of us do, and uh, I, I look forward to it. I do enjoy football, don't get me wrong, it, it's a fun pastime, but at the same time, I enjoy this time of year because it's the countdown to the reason why we're here, and that is to Christmas. Don't make 2022 fly fast, make 22 a time where you're enjoying and celebrating the victories of God and letting God be the victory in your life as we are the family of God. Lord Jesus, we commit these things to you. We look to you not only for wisdom, but for guidance. And I'm asking that every person watching, every person in this auditorium receive these scriptures, receive these words of encouragement to be the very, per very best that you call them to be. In the name of Jesus right now, I pray over every person, Lord, whatever the heartache, whatever the difficulty, whatever the problem, I thank you for your wisdom in their lives in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. As we pause right now, as we close this service, I just ask you right now, just, just to take a moment, just to make a commitment to these things. I'm not saying that you haven't. I'm not saying that you're not. I'm just saying an even greater commitment. I know that I am as we are in this first week of June, as we get ready for June, July, and August. May this be the greatest summer you had. May it also be a time of restoration. May God give back double for all your trouble in the name of Jesus. May your body be stronger and healthier than it's ever been. May your mind be clearer than it's ever been. May the priorities and your family priorities that are important to you, may they become more clearer and more precise. And for those of you that need healing in your body right now, we receive the redemption, redemptive love of our Savior in those areas of your body that need healing right now from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. 
in Jesus' name. We speak peace to blood pressure. We speak strength to hearts. We speak healing to backs and muscles. We speak healing to, to ligaments in the name of Jesus. Any foul disease of any kind that's illegal in bodies are to be gone because not of our name, but because of Jesus' name. Because Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. And for any mind that's wavering and torment and anger and frustration and aggravation, especially as couples, I pray for your uniting and restoration of marriages and strengthening of marriages in Jesus' name. And I thank you for the hope in relationships that we have, that we can love each other. And even though we agree to disagree, we can still believe the best for one another and look for the best in each other in Jesus' name. Lord, we commit these things to you. I thank you for every person in this auditorium, those watching right now. I'm asking you again on this first week of June, from this point forward, may they have the greatest summer they've ever had because they're trusting you and putting intentional value to the things of you. In Jesus' name, amen.